My name is Ryan Smith. My name is Shannon Hartley. You're listening to the Eastern Oregon Connection, a show celebrating small town community and highlighting the people that make it great. We'll be talking with local business owners, nonprofits, city leaders, farmers, and a host of other interesting people. We hope you'll join us for some personal stories, laughs, local news and events, and an all-around good time. This is the EO Connection. All right. Hello, everybody. This is Ryan with the Eastern Oregon Connection. I'm sitting with my man, Shannon Hartley. Howdy, y'all. <laughs> we just uh, just visited with our friend, Jordan Hilmick, longtime Pendleton resident. His family's, uh, you know, kind of from around the area, um, Blue Mountain women's soccer head coach. Everyone knows the Hilmick family in this area, I feel like. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Jordan was great to talk to. Just a good dude, well-spoken um, has a great program, is, is running a great program up there at BMCC. Mm-hmm. And it was cool to hear some of the ins and outs of it. Totally. Some strong leadership skills and they're chasing W's, but it's, it's about more than just winning with the culture they're trying to embody. And it was a pleasure to, to absorb that a little bit today. Definitely. So, Hey, if you guys are listening to this podcast, um, we haven't done much self-promotion, but, um, we'd really appreciate it if you could leave a review online, uh, whether it be Apple podcasts, Spotify, or um, also subscribe to the podcast as well, just so you get alerted when new podcasts drop, new episodes drop. Um, so with that, we want to thank you all for listening, and uh, let's get into the episode with Jordan Hilmick. I don't really do that as much, but I mean, I feel like people do, right? Like if you're going to yeah. Check a two-hour interview. You're like, I don't want to listen to all this, but I'm really curious about like this political discussion. Yeah, or something. It's something going on in in the discussion. Those are. I think that media is because this is another part of my job is as sports information director up there for athletics mm. at oh, the okay. colleges. So you do that for all the athletics. I, I do it for all of athletics, all okay, of our nine awesome. teams, and so we're, I'm trying to like. At first, when I first got to the college, it was just establishing a media program within the college because I think we have something that, especially in the small community, is being able to like. How do we get the word out about games, right? How do we, you know, highlight our athletes and make them feel special? Because I feel like we've really missed that for years, you know, like graphics and posters and all these different things that didn't exist. And so when I came in, I was like, we're building an athletics website day one. We're going to get pictures taken of our athletes and really market them, like showcase them and almost make them give give them that like D1 feel, if you will, without obviously us being division one. And so we go, we run them through that whole media day. So, but now we're at the point where it's like, I've been here for five years. I want to take the next step with them. Like, how do we, you know, like YouTube shorts, the reels and um, creating entertainment because they're families yeah. and fans and people who just tune into you know, small college athletics, because there is a niche for that. Yeah. Um, they want to see entertainment. They want to see these kids and athletes and kind of have fun with it. So we play like, you know, what's in the box where you stick your hands in a box and figure out what's inside it and see their like reactions. <laughs> so those are all super fun and entertaining and you kind of can just run with it. And I've absolutely loved that part. So we're kind of building into that mode. Yeah, that's cool. I feel like over the years, there's been lots of times where even like small college athletic teams they'll just like create a viral video oh yeah and it'll like and then they'll just blow up in their community like being super popular because they made this one cool video oh yeah it's like just doing fun stuff like that do you guys remember geez it was probably back when we were in high school but it was the baseball team carly ray jepson Jepson one that blew up it's still relevant like (laughs) people still like reference that video but small town small college athletics they post something like that now i don't think that team was small by any means but that video was blown up over the years Mm -hmm. yeah that was the uh, that was the one i was actually thinking of when i said that yeah but 
Yeah. You never know what's going to blow. No. And so we are just trying to, you're trying to catch that lightning in a bottle, I think. And so we're running with different media ideas, trying different things. Um, if athletes have like an interesting story, cause they all come from different cultures, different mm-hmm. backgrounds. And, yeah. and I think that's like something we're really trying to catch with them. And so we'll do like the what's in the box or we'll do like a blindfolded challenge or like, I can't even remember, uh, where you were that mouthpiece and you're trying to say words and, Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, just, yeah and your gums are just showing. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and it's just awkward for everyone, but I, <laughs> I like die at those challenges cause they're so fun to do with them. Cause you catch genuine reactions from young you know, young adults, student yeah. athletes. And I think that you're really catching their personalities. And I think that's really fun yeah. is to highlight those and their stories and what got them here. Cause for a lot of them, I think you see it more at the like small community college, but like you see it like, um, for many of them, they never thought that this was going to be possible. Yeah. Like to even go to college, to be, to, Oh, to go to college, go to college, let alone be a student. athlete. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, cause whether it's, you know, Blue Mountain or it's, you know, university of Oregon, congratulations, you're a college athlete. Like yeah. you've done something that, what 93 percent of the nation couldn't do that's pretty crazy <laughs> oh, i've actually got a funny story about this so technically when i was at the university of oregon i was a d1 athlete <laughs> <laughs> i played basketball at the university of oregon i was part of the women's basketball team <laughs> so the women's basketball team they bring in guys to practice against and you actually have to sign uh, all the paperwork that a college player, a D1 college player uh, would sign. And so, like, we had lockers at Matt Knight. Really? And you can use the the facilities and the trainers. Um, Interesting. But, yeah, you actually have to sign all the, all the paperwork and documentation. But I only did that for a short amount because I had to quit because I was saving up for an engagement ring. So I had to, (laughs) I had to actually uh, go and work and make money. Um, That's actually pretty cool. But yeah, I remember getting something in the mail. Um, after I graduated, it was like this like D one athlete thing. And I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) That's right. I was a D one athlete. So yeah, I was a a D one, uh, women's basketball athlete, (laughs) 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 which is right around, right around the time of like Sabrina Ionescu. I was going to say, that's gotta be probably right right before, right before she came in. Yeah. I think I graduated maybe the year before she was a freshman. When did you get to U of O? Uh, so I started at Eastern. Yeah. So I did 2010 to 2012 at Eastern and then, um, did three years at the University of Oregon after that. And I graduated in 2015. So it would have been like 2012, end of 2012 to 2015. So you, there was a girl from our women's basketball team that ended up going to play at University of Oregon women's basketball. Um, you probably played against her in that time period. She was her name. Um, she, cause she came in right before Sabrina too. She played, um, her, um, oh my gosh, I'm going to blank on her name. Um, from come, Pen- from, oh no, from BMCC. She was from BMCC. I thought you were talking about from Pendleton. No, 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 not I was from like, Pendleton. how do I not know this? Person? No, I think everyone would have, you know, known okay. her. Yeah. She came from BMCC and drive Adam Driver, our coach up there, coached her. And then she went to play. University Adam Driver. Yeah. Like. Like Darth Vader? Yeah, like Darth Vader now. <laughs> <laughs> His name's Adam Driver, right? Yeah, it, it, we give him, like, we mess with him all the time about that. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, it's going to come to me randomly, too, um, okay. what her name is. But she she was a baller. I'll probably recognize the the name, or I'd recognize her if I don't recognize the name, I'm yeah. sure. But yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, Marche. Marche. Marche Moore. Marche that, Moore. That was her name. Marche Moore. Nice memory. I don't recognize the name. Hmm. You're gonna have to like show me. A photo. I'll show you. I'll, I'll find a picture okay. and I'll let you know. 
Well, we're sitting in today with our friend Jordan Hilmick, uh, longtime Pendleton resident. Hilmick is a name you've heard probably around the community for all sorts of reasons. But um, but the reason we're here to talk to you, Jordan, a lot of things, I guess, uh, you know, Timberwolves women's soccer. Yeah, yeah, it's been a journey five years with the program because um, I was at Eastern, much like we were just mentioning Eastern Oregon University, played soccer there and then yeah. got a call to come back over here and take over the women's program. And I was like, why not? You don't get many chances of coaching your hometown college program. And my goal was to make the program competitive, get it back on track and help, you know, kind of teach these young student athletes, you know, how do we, how do we mature, right? How do we get, become better at the game, better in life, you know, teach these life lessons and, I have loved this journey every step of the way. It has been so much fun. Um, and here we are five years later. I just finished my fifth season. It's do you crazy. get a lot of, so you're baby facing. you're so young. Do you get a hard time about like, all, oh, you're not old enough? All the time. Every, every time I walk out in the community, I, I'm like, I, I, guys, I've been here for however many years. Like I'm still, I still get the baby face all the time. I see two sides to that. Probably like a, a, a likeness with your players that can maybe relate to you a little bit, but also maybe some struggles with like being an older and mature imposing figure. Of oh, some kind, I'm right? like right in that middle ground of like, it's like, you're too young to be coaching a women's team, let alone being a college coach. And then like, you're, you know, it's that weird coach figure type of thing. Um, like I'll be walk. I was walking in the store not too long ago and I wore, you know, I wear the BMCC women's soccer sweatshirt and I had one lady come up to me like, you're not on the women's team. You're a male. No, you're correct. I, I am, but I'm the coach. Like I'm not, I'm not on the team. It's just, I just have a sweatshirt. <laughs> Nothing crazy, <laughs> but no, I I've loved every second what a bold of it. assumption. There. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. I'm like, maybe I am on the women's team. I mean, Shannon was on the women's basketball team. Yeah. <laughs> Check the record books. Yeah. Right? Anything can happen. <laughs> Check the record books. I'm not in them. But. Sorry. I did. <laughs> Check those practice oh, books. God. Oh God. Sorry. We won't dabble that that route too far, I don't think, but uh, <laughs> anyway, so, uh, so how did you decide, you know, that transition, like player to coach, I want to coach or. Yeah. So I think it was uh, probably about junior year of college. You know, I think I realized like, I'm not ready to be done with this game. I want to continue to take it as far as I can, but I knew my playing days were over. I mean, my, my knees, I, I just injury prone. I was like, it, it took me longer to prepare for practice and prepare for games um, rehab time and all that. And even after then I actually was spending time at practice, mm -hmm. um, because I have no cartilage left in my knees. Uh, it is straight, like just bone on bone. And mm -hmm. so doctors were like, like, it's probably time for you. I mean, the pain was just too much. And so I was like, I want to keep doing this. I want to keep taking this as far as I can. So I ended up having two mentor coaches that kind of got me into the, into the college game, which bless their hearts, like is the reason why I'm here today. They kind of took me under my wing, and they're uh, Stan Rodriguez and Justin Wager. Um, Justin now is D1 coach at Grambling State, hmm. and so I still keep in contact with him. And Stan is the head coach over at Western Oregon University. I think it's the only D2 men's program in the state of Oregon. And real quick, how did you meet these guys? I played for Stan. Um, oh, okay. Stan is the one who signed me at Eastern when I left Walla Walla, hmm. um, decided not to pay thirty grand a year to go to college, and... You know, for everyone who's making, you know, those decisions about college, you do not have to pay an arm and a leg to get probably the same education at another school. So I left and went to Eastern Oregon University, uh, much like what Shannon did. And uh, I was content with, you know, being done playing at the time. And then Eastern started their men's program. I think they started signing guys in 2014. And so I put my name for it. I was like, hey, I used to be a college goalkeeper, played and so they, I was one of the first few signed to the team. Uh, Stan signed me and I 
Stan actually hadn't been to the area yet. He was still moving to the area in, in 2015 when the program started. Mm. So I think at the time he was down in the the west side of the state, somewhere over in like Eugene, Portland area. So, But Justin was the women's coach at EOU. And so he was training the girls over there. Um, and so Stan was like, well, Jordan's one of the only two on campus. Like, Jordan, you're going to train with the women's team. And Justin, you're going to tell me what you think, you know, blah, 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 go through all the trainings. So I trained as a member of the women's program. Like I didn't obviously play in any of their spring games or fall games or anything like that, but I did all their trainings, had to meet all their fitness requirements, all of that stuff. Justin kicked my butt. <laughs> that is some of the hardest training I think I've ever been through in, oh, yeah. in my life. But he like taught me a lot about, you know, being mentally strong and pushing, pushing yourself. And, um, and same thing with like all of the women's program players at the time, they really helped you know, kind of take me to that next level, you yeah. know, and really pushing, um, even though I had played, you know, at, at Walla Walla University and it was kind of a different environment, you know, coming mm -hmm. from a different school. I don't know anyone, um, even though it's La Grand Oregon, it's 45 minutes down the road. I yeah. hadn't met anyone at the time. And so then Stan came in, I played for them, played two seasons under them and I wanted to get into coaching. And so Stan's like, okay, if you want to do this, we need to go all in. So he actually took me, um, to, the United Soccer Coaches Convention, which is this global organization that helps, you know, coaches um, really learn the game. You, you learn from all these different, you know, pros and um, different heads of soccer and then in the game from refereeing to fundraising to all different kind of walks of life. And I think it's really beneficial for not even if you're not a soccer coach just to go in there and even administration, club administration. Um, and so I, I flew out to Los Angeles and learned from people like I took classes um, being taught from like Anson Dorrance, who has over like 800 career wins in the women's college game. Mia Hamm was there, like just some of the best of the best. And so I'm like starstruck, you know, walking around. And these, <laughs> these professionals are walking around like it's nothing because for them, that's their day-to-day -day life is being in these type of environments. But for everyday people, like this is your time to be around them. And I'm like taking pictures and trying to get like autographs from all these people and like stand and everyone's like, whoa, chill, chill. I'm like, okay, hey, this is the first time I've been around any of these people. For you guys, it may be something. Just got to act like you You just got to act like, you know, normal. Like this is every day. But I'm like standing next to Mia, who's like probably the most well-known women's soccer player in the world right now or at, still to this day. And she stopped. Used to be. Used to be. Now it's probably like Rapino. Yeah, Rapino. I mean, um, Alex, uh, Alex Morgan, Morgan, Rose Lavelle. I mean, you've got yeah. Marta, all the all the superstars of the women's game. But uh, Mia's name still carries. For for sure. A lot of weight. For sure. Um, and so then I kind of ran with it and um, Stan ended up leaving UOU and I wanted to keep going. So I became the assistant men's coach um, and women's coach for the program. I uh, was under Jake Plucker and then the new coach, uh, men's coach was, was Kenny. Um, and then I ended up getting a full scholarship to go to the next coaches convention. I wrote a um, paper on how we can continue to um, – improve the game of soccer in rural areas and, um, under, you know, served, um, minorities and people and being able to teach them the game and provide opportunities. Um, United soccer coaches felt that that was a, you know, a great response of what I've been doing out here and continuing to doing, uh, continue to do. And so in 2019, they flew me out to Philadelphia, paid for my hotel, all of that stuff. Wow. Um, and I got to sit at the hall of fame banquet and meet some more legends of the game and, they paid for my entire time over there and it was an amazing experience. And I'm like, I want to take this as far as I possibly can. At that time, I was still very young in the game, only two years, really. I was coaching a high school JV team over in LeGrand too. So I really was kind of testing the waters. And then in 2018, uh, I got the call that I wanted to, you know, they wanted, they were looking for a new coach here at Blue Mountain. Yeah. 
and I decided to just kind of <clears> run with that and see where it would take me. And I said, I was like, my goal is to make it five, five years. I was mm-hmm. like, I don't know if they're going to want me that long um, <laughs> because I, I, did, I didn't know the game or, or I knew the game. I, I didn't know how the process worked. Right. Like as a college mm-hmm. coach, like they want wins, recruiting they want results, recruiting all, all it, that. Yeah. Like I had had experience and background in it, of course, but as a young coach, you're kind of behind a head coach, you know, I'm mm-hmm. learning from him. He's end up, you know, still doing all of the work but now you're in charge of it. And so to me, I was like, this is terrifying. This is a whole new world. Um, and so I, I didn't actually sign any of my first year team in 2018. They all were already signed in there, yeah. which was wonderful. Cause I kind of got to like, kind of, you know, dip my foot in the water, if you will, and kind of mm-hmm. learn from it. And I, I was like, this is fun. I like the coaching part, but then came my first recruiting class. And I'm like, yeah. this is even more terrifying than I thought. Cause <laughs> the thought of rejection mm, was yeah. terrifying because these and which is crazy because I was in that boat not many years ago where I was rejecting coaches and choosing teams. And I'm, but now the, the, it's flipped, right? They're now rejecting you because they're like, oh, I want to go to this program. I want to go to this. Or this school has my thing. And I'm, you're trying to like sway them, if you will. Like, no, this is the best deal. So I had to get used to that. Mm-hmm. And that was a whole new world that I wasn't ready for. And I quickly learned and ended up having my first recruiting class. I think I, that was 2018. So I signed girls from like Montana, Oregon, Washington, Idaho, um, I think I had a Utah girl, three Hawaii girls back then too. And so it was working out pretty well. How do you go about recruiting girls from all these areas? Um, because I, I was a college recruiter, yeah. not for sports, but I was an admissions counselor and I would travel, you know, I would travel yeah. to Alaska and <clears throat> I didn't actually go over to Montana, but Montana was in my area, um, over to Idaho, Washington. And I was actually traveling. Are you actually traveling to all I'm those areas? Actually traveling. Wow. Back then, I I hadn't been to Montana. I hadn't <clears throat> been to Hawaii for soccer. I went there for vacation. I feel okay, like yeah. almost everyone's been there for. I was, a I was just about to ask you. You, <laughs> yeah. you get to go to Hawaii. I'm, I'm for trying work. to get there for work. That one is much tougher to get to for work. One but, of our recruiters got to go for work. <laughs> I'm so jealous. I I'm working on that one. But um, <laughs> they're going to say Jordan. The whole roster is from Hawaii. Yeah. Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bring a whole roster from Hawaii if I get to go there for work. But yeah. there's so much soccer in all of these areas in Colorado too. And so I've been to all of these different places for. Now, over the years for soccer, I've been to Montana, I've been to um, Oregon, Washington, Idaho, obviously, California. Um, I did some recruiting over in the East Coast a couple of times, Utah, um, deep southern Idaho as well. So down in the um, uh, Pocatello region. Magic Valley. And all that area. And it's just incredible the people you meet and so many kind people. Mm-hmm. I think that that is probably one of my best like experiences is that I've met so many people from different walks of life that I probably would never would have met before yeah. um, that I still have connections with. And they're like, Hey, I'm, I, you know, I know we haven't talked in a number of years, but I like, I found this girl, like she wants to go play college, but no one's talking with her. Like she doesn't know what to do. She's like, would you be willing to talk to her? And I'm like, sure. And I believe this is my sole biggest thing of like with my coaching philosophy, with anything I do really in life is that I want it to be the right fit. And I think that's applicable to, whether I'm doing coaching or just anything in life is that, especially when I'm talking to these girls is I want this to be the right fit. Now, if Blue Mountain's not the right fit, I totally understand. Like you are looking for something that you have this vision of that you want to do. And if we're the right fit, that's perfect. Let's, let's sign, seal, deliver this thing and let's do it. Mm-hmm. And so this guy, I remember he's from, um, he's from the East side of Idaho. It's way over there. And he's like, Hey, I found this girl. She's, 
um, you know, hasn't talked to a lot of people, you know, but and she's really good. And I ended up, I assigned her this year. She's on my team right now, but she hadn't had any really looks or anything like that. So I'm like, yeah, I'll talk to her. So we talked on the phone and we ended up getting her out for a visit. And this was, I think I signed her in like July. So it was like late, like a month, a yeah. month until we start. Mm-hmm. And I was like, so you hadn't had any, no one had looked at her at all. She was coming off an ACL tear, all of that stuff. But um, she had the surgery, did all that. She just, no one was talking with her. Cause I think for a lot of teams and programs, even as an athlete, ACL tears scare people. For sure. Um, and as an athlete, that's terrifying too. It's a whole different world. Um, and so I signed this girl and she ended up becoming one of, you know, the girls absolutely love her. She's been kind of like a cornerstone of the team. Um, one of the hardest workers in the room when she speaks, people listen. Like she has that voice that just carries. Mm-hmm. And she's also one of those voices that when she's like, Hey, and I'm like, who the heck just said that? Like it <laughs> carries power. And, um, I've absolutely loved working and meeting with all of these people. And so the right fit, I think is one of the biggest things. And I think that's whether you're an athlete or not an athlete and just going to college, I think that finding the right fit for you, that one where it feels like home, mm-hmm. like where are you going to feel the most welcome, the most, um, invited into this, you know, this place that you're going to. Um, and I already mentioned, like, you don't have to spend a ton of money to get a good education. I think that that's super important as well. Like I went to Eastern and it's one of the cheapest in this entire area, but I felt like I got just as good of an education over there as before, like a year prior, I went to Walla Wall University. I was spending 30, 40 grand a year to go there. Yeah. I went to EOU and I got the exact same education. I ended up graduating from there mm-hmm. and I've met some of my lifelong friends there and I felt that that was the best thing ever. Did we yeah. have any overlap or overlapping years? I, or were you there right after? I you? went right after you. Okay. Yeah. I couldn't remember. 12 to, 13, 12 to 13, I was at Walla Walla. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Got mm. it. Because I remember after I transferred, I remembered seeing you like posting yeah. photos and videos yeah. from being on the soccer team and stuff. Yeah. No, it was a great time. <laughs> I still, the guys that I shared that memory with, I mean, we were the first team to ever play. We beat two top 20 teams. One was a top 10, and I still talk to those guys regularly. They're my brothers, my friends. I mean, you go through those experiences and you're like, I'm never forgetting this. You know, it's been an absolute joy. I loved every minute of that. Mm -hmm. So, so who are the types of, when you're recruiting, um, who are the types of girls do you think that are going to be a good fit for not just your program, but you know, Pendleton and BMCC, like, I guess, I guess what are, what are some of the sales tactics as well? Like, because, you know, my background as an admissions counselor, but also like real, like real estate now, you know, people ask about the city all the time. What's what's there to do and that kind of stuff. So what do you find is kind of the bread and butter of the pitch? You know, and I think that, I mean, you guys are, you guys are from this area. I think that that's one of the most difficult things is to sell this area, um, if you will, because Pendleton, I've told every one of the recruits I bring in, it is what you make it. Um, and so if you want to go out and do things and experience the wilderness, I mean, much like, you know, there's plenty of things to go do around here, Mm -hmm. you know, a short drive away. Like you, you are a big, you know, ski bum. There's a, there's multiple resorts within a short driving distance. You've got Anthony, you've got Bluewood, Mm -hmm. like all these different areas. You want to go find the hot springs. They're up there. You just got to find them. You know, it's almost a local secret. You want to go hiking hikes galore around here. We have a greatest Eastern Oregon hikes guidebook. Yes, Side note. They, yeah. <laughs> yes, they do. At Pendleton Outfitters. <laughs> um, yeah. And I just think there's so much to do, right? And you, we're also, I think, a great centrally located area for Pendleton. Like Absolutely. A short drive to Portland or to Tri-Cities to Boise. Like, it's really not Spokane. that far. Spokane, all of these areas. And I think that when I'm talking to these recruits, 
One, are you going to be someone who's outgoing and you can do the things? Because I also think that that leads to a better student athlete too. Like you're more mm -hmm. outgoing and willing to try things. You have probably a better work ethic, um, things like that. So I'm looking for that. Can you make this something, right? As someone from Pendleton, like I can find no shortage to things of do here. And I've oh, worked yeah. here for, how old am I? 25 years, 20, 26 <laughs> years, you know, I've lived here. Um, and so I think that I can find no shortage of things to do. The other thing that when I'm recruiting and traveling all these places, when I walk up to a field and I put my chair down, I am not, even for the first probably five minutes, I'm not watching how you play or how you warm up. <clears throat> that comes, that's coming with it, but I'm looking at your character. Like, how do you interact with your teammates? How do you interact with people around you? Your mom, your dad, your grandma, your coach, like all of these things when you don't know that I'm watching or looking. I know there's many other coaches that do the exact same thing. We There's a whole group of us that will travel like tournament tournaments together and just kind of watch and mm -hmm. we'll plan our chairs the first five minutes. I don't know what they're watching. I'm watching their character. You're talking about you and other coaches. Yeah, oh yeah. Okay. Me, this coaching community, we're so close. Like mm -hmm. I will try, even though I coach against like Omar from CBC, Kelsey from NIC and uh, Jake from EOU, I coach against them, play with them. We travel together. I'll meet them at tournaments to be like, hey, what are you doing for dinner? What are you doing for lunch? Like all those different things. We're competitive, but yeah, I love that. off the season or off the field, like we'll just get along, text each other, talk, how's life going, that stuff. Um, but I'm, I'm looking at interactions. I'm looking at how, how, and I think that that is a big thing too, that even when I'm out in the community or I'm in your community in the store, I, there was this one, I got a story. So I, <laughs> I went recruiting. I was in Portland, okay, of all places. Pretty, pretty large area, you know, to be running into it. And there was this girl, she was dressed in all of her club gear, you know, and I had recognized her because I, you know, when they, we start emailing and, you know, you get your, their headshot profile picture, you know, that way I can recognize jersey number to field and picture and make sure I'm actually watching the right girl instead of, you know, staring at the wrong person the entire game. <laughs> so I happened to be in, I think, a safe way is what it was. And I recognized her from her picture and she had her jersey on. I think it was post game is what it was. And I was watching her interact with her family and her, I think she was with her grandma too. And just not nice interaction. Like she was very short tempered with them and all that stuff. And I just immediately went back to the car, went to my list and crossed her name off right there. <laughs> and I'm like interactions within a community, especially like public settings like that meant everything to me. Cause I'm like, if you're willing to do that in front of people, what does it say what you're doing behind closed doors? Like, yeah. especially when you're around your teammates, like, cause for a lot of these girls, they come from far away. I have a girl. I have girls from Utah, Nevada on my team right now. I've had girls from Hawaii, Montana. Um, you're coming from very far away. You're mm -hmm. very far away from your families. I think the farthest girl I've had come here was from Hawaii. And from, uh, I have a girl. I think she's eight hours away from her family right now in Nevada. Mm -hmm. And so when I bring girls in here, I want to know that, like, hey, are you going to be accepting of them? We come from all different walks of life of culture. And I think that's very applicable. Like, accept them and learn maybe learn something from them. And know that they have left their families and giving up something. And can you accept them into our family that we're building here? Mm. That's one of our biggest mottos is family and then never walk alone because I never want these mm -hmm. girls to feel like they are alone. Um, not only do they meet their family here on the team, you know, and the other athletes from different teams that they build these close relationships with, many of which I still um, years, like they've left for years, uh, former players that I coached in 18 and 19, they still talk with their friends and, mm -hmm. and teammates. And I think that that is unique that sport can bring us together like that. Mm -hmm. I've seen girls that have left the game and they're involved in now running marathons. They're involved in the theater. They're involved in all these different things, choir. And I, they've kind of made it their own. And I think that that is super special that they used it to create these friendships and they, they'll go do things together. They're going to concerts and inviting each other to their weddings. And, and you, they've, 
built friendships with people that they probably never would have been friends with before. And now that now they are, their lifelong friends are in each other's weddings. And I think that that is probably the most special thing is that we're building this family, these bond, this bond and mm-hmm. friendships. Mm-hmm. It's probably more special than anything I think we've ever done on the soccer field. And I think that, and I've told the girls this, everything we do off the field, what you get, that piece of paper you get at the end of graduation, the friendships, the family, the memories that we build here far outweigh anything we'll ever do on the soccer field. Well, and I think when you have like the good chemistry and that character building, uh, as your selection process, that the performance kind of comes naturally Absolutely. by way of chem- team chemistry and stuff. And one more note kind of like to compare to baseball on the, the character evaluation and scouting I think about is, I don't know if this was a rumor or a true story or not, but Jacoby Ellsbury was a standout Major League Baseball player for the Red Sox, and he, he came up through, um, gosh dang it, what school is it? Madras. Yes, Madras. Yeah. Thank you. So he, he came up through Madras High School, went to Oregon State, had success there. I think they he was one of the teams that won the college college World Series. Had he might success have won too. Did they, they win two during that time? I don't know if he had one or two, but he was right in the thick yeah. of Oregon State. Yeah, he things. was right in that time. Yeah, period. and then of course his successful at least you know ten year Major League Baseball career. But the rumor was always that when when Oregon State was scouting him at Madras, they went to a game that he was like zero for four with three strikeouts or something like that. But they still left that game like saying, all right, that's our guy, just based on the character evaluation Absolutely. and stuff. Wow. And so, again, I don't know. I, I don't know the truth to that story. I'm sure there's something there, but just speaks to that. I mean, it's not about performance on the field. The scouts are here. I need to hit two home runs or whatever. It's uh, just what does every day look like for you with your connections to team and family and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Totally. And I, I think mean, that, oh, sorry. I was just going to say the stats are on paper. So even if he has a bad game, you know, they can still oh, yeah. see, oh, well, this next game, uh, every other game, he's yeah. going three for four, you know, betting right. crazy high yeah. percentage. And I think that with, you know, the, uh, that friendliness, right. Or like your character carries a lot of weight because I think that with on the soccer field or just any field in general, Like when you have a teammate that's having a bad day that, you know, you you ask everyone to give a hundred percent, right. But maybe one day I'm only able to get 80% or 90%. You know, this is, this is all I have left. I'm, I'm a little injured, something like that. And you have that teammate saying like, I'm willing to give you my extra, whatever, you know, like instead of a hundred, I'm now giving you 110, I'm giving you 120. And I've seen that where girls are willing to, you know, especially on the field and we create that kind of bond, um, giving everything they have for not just themselves, but laying their body on the line to make sure that they give everything for their team. You know, it's, I've seen a girl who is a forward and she had to make a run all the way back to defense to stop this play because her defender got caught out of position off a corner and she, that's not her job, but she sprinted back to make sure the play got stopped and covered her teammate until the play was over and she sent it out and then they were able to reset and you see that, like, it's not even her job. She's willing to do that, though, and put in the extra work. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is, it, it, when you build that camaraderie in that team and family, <clears throat> one of the most difficult things to build, I think, in any team, right, is to have everyone on the same vision, that same cohesive unit. Mm-hmm. But I think when you can get true buy-in, it is beautiful. You mentioned earlier that you were a goalkeeper, right, by position. Yeah. So in baseball, it seems like there's a trend of, like, catchers becoming managers often because of the position they play and their role within the team. Can the same be said for goalies, or is that just a – Really? I think so. Elaborate on that a little bit. Yeah, no, I think that – I think that's a fair – I see a lot of um, the coaches I play against – or I coach against, if you will – 
Um, they're they're more the field players, but I see a lot of defenders um, and goalkeepers. I mm-hmm. think that those are similar in terms of like baseball with catching. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a goalkeeper, I from the back area, I've seen the whole field, right? Yeah, you're I, watching everything I'm literally watching all of it in front of me and same with the catcher, right? Like, mm-hmm. You have the best seat in the house. Exactly. Um, and I mean, I, I feel like a lot of times when you watch a goalie, you're watching them coach. Like they're always saying, oh, hey, yeah. Directing the directing, and I uh, it has been a real change over the years, especially when I I was in my younger years of coaching. I've now been doing this, I think, like seven years um, coaching. But um, to go from the goal box to standing on the sideline is two completely different like point of views. Like I from the goal box, I don't get to see like you know the the levels, the depth, and different things like that nearly as well as I did as as a goalkeeper. And so I agree. Yeah, I think that as a goalkeeper, I've gotten to um, really take that step into coaching probably a little easier because I'm mm. seeing the levels I'm see- and especially as a for- uh, goalkeeper who's stopping forwards, you know, their shots, um, it's easier for me to help teach the goalkeepers as well. Like, okay, look at body language, look at this, you know, like everyone has like a tell is what I tell them. I'm like, mm-hmm. a shooter is going to shoot like from very short, or you're going to see their head pick up or body or the hips turn or something like that. I was like, everyone has a tell in almost everything they do in basketball and, you know, baseball, soccer, Every athlete has something they've found that works for them. Mm-hmm. You just have to find it. And especially when you play against people like very commonly, yeah. mm-hmm. it's much easier to pick up on those tells. Um, yeah, I agree. And good being a good competitor is like knowing what you're good at, but also just being able to kind of survey and absolutely. take advantage of like every little thing you're picking up on. So Absolutely. I've told yeah. the girls, I'm like, within the first five minutes, first five to ten minutes, every game is going to be crazy. It's going to be the adrenaline's pumping. It's going to be fast. There's no <laughs> organization. A it's a free for all more or less. It's going to be who settles the game down and yeah. kind of controls it within that. Mm-hmm. But I've told them within the first five minutes, you guys are as a team to identify who, who the studs are, right? Who's got a right foot. Who's got a left foot. Who can you pressure? Who can you not like within that frenzy? We're taking in more data than probably most people realize. And so mm-hmm. me and my coaching staff, like I have a notebook I carry with me everywhere. In the first five to 10 minutes, I'm jotting down every note I can like, okay, left foot, right foot it handles pressure well very very fast very fast underline mm-hmm. you know all these different things and then from there once the game is settled down and the girls can you know can start playing the actual game then i'm sending in subs and i'm giving them notes like okay you need to tell so and so to adjust to this position we're going to adjust the formation here and the girls have actually gotten really good um there was a couple of year about two to three years where i actually trained the girls to where their soccer IQ was very high and mm-hmm. they were able to identify where the weaknesses were and they were switching their formation and their positions on the fly. The captains would call out a number and it would be keyed to like a formation switch. So instead mm-hmm. of like a four four two, it'd be keyed to like a four five one. Say that they were getting under pressure more, they were outnumbering us in the midfield, they'd call a position switch and on the next dead ball, the girls would adjust their positions mm-hmm. to, and each of their roles and responsibilities would change with that yeah. too. And we actually found the most success at that is when you put a little bit more ownership on the players to identify that you see more buy-in because they're willing to do more of the film, the homework side of things because it's not on the coach solely anymore. You're putting it on the players. Okay. I am here. Yes. As coach. And I'm going to do normal coach things, but in game, I want you guys to identify where the changes need to be made because they're, I think a little bit more, um, careful about what changes they are making in a game because they don't want to make the wrong one and get exposed. So, and that's where we found, I think was the highest success was putting a little bit more ownership on them within game responsibilities. It's like, it's like the coach asking the quarterback, what are you seeing out there? Exactly. And 
call an audibles to it. Exactly. Yeah. Well, giving I think giving responsibility where it's due gives like more good feedback and and a drive to do more on the field. But also, if you're yeah getting good eyes and communication from your players, then the best chance you have is to use that information that's firsthand right there and operate within that. So, yeah, definitely. That's I guess why like field general quarterback type guys mm-hmm. and yeah totally let the players handle it where they're able absolutely and, I, I think that minus the goalkeeper who i think has the best vision on the field i'm always looking for we have a midfielder we, it's the cdm so they are essentially right in front of the defense they are our gen my general they're mm-hmm. calling the shots they're the distributor they're the person that says drop step all the different things and so if you can find a good general if you will on mm-hmm. your field they they are worth their money as as an athlete somebody who is just organizing they're calling the shots and i've had been lucky to have some good ones over the years and it is just take it takes so much off your plate as a coach mm-hmm. cuz they are the ones who are taking the additional ownership of it um, and so when we went into that change of formation on the fly system i had two generals i was lucky to have to have two both starters mm-hmm. and they got along super super well and they'd call the switches on the fly they distributed play and they they'd come to me sometimes they're like well i'm not scoring i'm like your job isn't to score <laughs> like I'm, I'm not looking for you to be the striker. poster child you know like score all the goals and get all the stats like your job is to organize play mm-hmm. and it resulted into one of our best seasons ever we finished in fourth place wow so i was like it stats don't matter stats are Sure, like they look pretty, yeah. like, but we're looking for the overall result. Like, how are we doing as a team, and are we growing? Mm-hmm. Another thing I wanted to ask you about is that you know soccer is one of those sports where, I mean, it always pays off to be in better shape. And pushing like endurance and being one of the longest winded yeah. teams on the field is as an advantage. So how do you how do you balance the suffering that you put <laughs> upon your players to be? <laughs> <laughs> I think conditioning. I think that everyone like I think a lot of sports they like would consider our sport a punishment because we run and there's no timeouts. We get a halftime of like ten minutes. Yeah. Um, and so. With that, it's workload management. I've done a lot of like my recent licensing and classes and stuff like that is looking at much less the soccer part of things, but more of like the certified strength conditioning coach side of things and, and plyos and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm really kind of managing their loads on their bodies. and Just Mindful suffering. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like we're doing this in waves, right? Yeah. They have a whole summer workout program that's built for them. Like it's saying like, in week one of summer of your summer training, you are only doing this type of workout. You are only doing this. And this week we're targeting this system. So we're kind of building them up to be better. And it's kind of disguising that. And then within season, they're still getting their cardio in. Don't get me wrong, but we're disguising it within drills. So they're like, we're like, that was super fun. Cool. You actually just ran three point something miles during that one drill. Like, Mm. so we're kind of building it within that and all of their work. And so we've worked with some great, um, Certified strength conditioning coaches also, I mean, social media has been an absolute um, bless in this way that we're getting, being able to talk with all of these different experts in their fields and Mm -hmm. not just in soccer, but just in sport in general. So we're taking what, you know, what they're doing in their, their, their builds for their workouts and stuff like that. Are you talking about just like training programs? Just training programs. Yeah. Online. And so we're, I mean, I've been lucky enough to talk with a lot of them too, who Mm -hmm. build those programs. 
and kind of t- picking their brains, if you will. Like, here's what mm-hmm. we're currently doing. What do you do that works as well? Or can I show you what we do? And you kind of, and they've worked with that. We've worked with the, like team nutritionists that have completely revamped our whole program for our nutrition cycle for the girls too. Because mm-hmm. I think obviously what you put into your body matters as well. You know, you're you prob- can't all be top ramen while you're no, in college. And it's, yeah. <laughs> Those That's top ramen though. diets are tough. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's tough to break. I've been there. We've all been there. Oh yeah. yeah. Plenty of hot dogs and, oh, yeah. and whatever you, whatever <laughs> you can get just to yeah. get them, get a meal in. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Um, but I, I think working with all of these experts has really helped take our program up to the next level too. We've worked with some some great people that have co- even come in and said, "Okay, we're gonna wor- we're gonna rebuild this." They've even built us a different schedule. Um, our current assistant coach, um, she actually has a degree in exercise science, and oh, nice. so she. Um, through all of our weight room programs and stuff like that, we've gotten different um, measurements and stuff like that. So she is actually personally building an individualized workout plan for all of the girls <clears throat> when they get back in January from winter break. So each one, based on their position, will have a specific workout that is built for them. Mm. They'll all have commonalities. So, you know, like, you know, their bench max, their squat max, et cetera, um, vertical, 40-yard dash, et cetera, time mile that they'll all do as a team. But in specific, like a specific position as a goalkeeper, your workout is going to be much different than say like a forward, mm-hmm. a forward is going to be very like explosive sprint based workout, stuff like that. Whereas a goalkeeper, you're looking for like power, you know, strength, <clears throat> that type of thing. Even as a defender as well, you're looking because you're going to have to body people off the ball. You're going to have to do all these things. Mm-hmm. And so being able to build these like special programs for these mm-hmm. girls and trying to manage themselves, I tell them all the time, I'm like, I am protecting you from you. Like, because some girls will overtrain their bodies and that's going to lead to a lot of injuries, especially if you don't cross train properly. If you just do soccer 365 or one sport 365, you're so much more prone to injury Mm. rather than cross training. So we try and after season goes, we shut the girls down for a couple of weeks. We don't, we don't need them touching a ball. They have just gone through three months of very intense soccer and sport. So we tell them like, you guys can do other sports, like play basketball, play volleyball, play these other sports just Mm -hmm. for fun, or just let your body rest. You guys can weightlift and do all these different things. And I think that that has really helped them being able and definitely cut down the injuries as well. Mm -hmm. And then when we get back from January, back in January, we're slowly integrating them back into their workout programs and we're playing indoor soccer, which is a little bit different as Mm -hmm. well. I mean, it's indoors. I played indoor soccer one time and I felt the most unathletic of it I've ever felt. <laughs> My legs felt like tree trunks. I yeah. couldn't move. I don't if know. If it makes you feel any better, I play and I still feel like awkward. <laughs> oh um, but it's been awesome. So we also, with indoor soccer, we actually run several different um, community events as well where we bring in the um, community. We'll run it. It's one of our fundraisers, but like there's 60 to 80 adults in the community that play in our indoor and outdoor soccer leagues Hmm. and they, they get to play with and against the girls and the guys on the, so them are men's team too. So we'll like divvy up the teams, create this league, if you will. And it's all about kind of like integrating the community with soccer and bringing them up to the college campus and showing them like, Hey, we are up here. There's a place. It's a welcome community. Mm -hmm. And we, when we divvy up the teams, the college girls and college guys are all separated to where like, there's not one team that's a super team. That's balanced. It's very balanced. So we're balancing it on experience, fitness levels, all that stuff. And what we ask of the college players is that you have this team of could be experienced players, could be not experienced players. You're going to have a whole like spectrum of players. Mm -hmm. We want you to teach them. We Mm -hmm. want you guys to put, become the coaches, if you will. Like you're going to 
show them how to play. You're going to teach them how does a pass work because some of them have never played in their lives. They just want the fitness. They want to get out of their house in the evening. And some have come from a, you know, a very experienced background. How do you, how do you build your team? And so we kind of put them in on that part as part of their off season too. Yeah, I like that. And it's, it's been so much fun to also bring in like 60 to 80 community members just to get some physical fitness. I think that that's super cool too. Yeah. That's awesome. So in general, the workout regime is, is probably a heavy dose of cardio mixed with some weight training and probably some band type work. And stuff, Absolutely. Or? We have band work built in there, plyos as well. Um, right now they're, they're not running really at all right now. We're kind of just doing the strength training part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we get back from break, they'll slowly start to build up their cardio again, especially as we go into spring season, because we get to play four spring games in, from April to May. Um, so they'll have four games still to play. Uh, for college games. So it's, they don't get a complete off season mm-hmm. either. Another thing I wanted to talk about was, was the, the balance of um, like the discipline with making grades and what your role is with that. And, and if that's something that you feel like your program has done a good job of. When I first came in, our, our grades were not great as a program. Um, they were hanging around, I think the two, five to two, six area as a, like as an average, average, as a team average, which, I mean, of course you're going to have your few girls on the team who are pulling, you know, 4.0s or high threes, which is great, but you've got your girls who are not pulling, you know, great grades. They're, they're probably barely eligible if I remember right. And now our team, they're probably having a lot of fun at college. They're having a lot of fun at college. The real college experience. (laughs) College experience. Um, and so since then from 2018 to now, our team average has gone from like a two, five to two, six to now it's average of a three. Nice. Um, which may not seem a lot, you know, people are like, Oh, it's only 0.5. That's a lot when you're managing 20 20 to 20 something girls. Um, it's, and so the girls have done very, very well. We've gotten, I think in my five years, we've gotten four or five academic all region, um, recipients as well, which are having, you know, high enough grades to be recognized by your conference. Um, and that I think is probably the biggest victory I think we could take is having these (laughs) girls be successful in the classroom. Um, we've had, I want to say, I think seven to eight girls transfer on to go to four years over this time period, many of which have been content just to go to a two year. They thought that Mm -hmm. that's all they wanted to do and they wanted to go home and be with their families. And that's totally okay too. They finished their degrees. And Mm -hmm. I think that is successful in its own right. Yeah, totally. And to have girls that still want to keep going and moving on, I think is even more successful. We've got a girl who uh, played for us in 2019 um, and she's about to graduate with her nursing degree. She ended up going to nursing school and um, we got her to a four-year college, and she's from Oregon, just down the road from us, and she's going to end up graduating with her her nursing degree, and I think that that's so cool. And I even thought that she forgot about us. Um, she ended up sending <laughs> us a graduation invite, and I'm oh, like, that's that, awesome. That's even better. I've got. Yeah. I've, I mentioned earlier, I've got girls inviting us now to to like their weddings too, and I'm like, there's no way you're already getting married, no chance. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've absolutely loved every bit of this. It's been and cool. so, what do you feel like you? Um, have contributed to the program? Do you guys host like study hall yeah, or do you just emphasize the importance of it or what are some tactics you have? Yes. Yeah, so coming back to the study hall for sure. So one of the big things we, we found was kind of putting the accountability back on them as well as yep. with their study hall. They have to, they have to do four hours of study hall per week. So they walk in, we'll host it sometimes in classrooms and the library, different parts of campus. Um, but they have a binder or book that they have to go to. They find their team, they find their name, they clock in and clock out. And so for four, four hours over the course of a week, which really isn't that much, it's realistically like less than an hour a day. I asked them not to wait until Friday of the, to do all, <laughs> of the week to do all four hours. Cause yeah. they'll roll in, you know, at noon, whenever they decide to wake up and, 
um, they'll be like, oh, I waited until Friday to get all my study hours. And I'm like, well, the library closes at four today. So uh, good close. luck. Um, <laughs> Hope you brought food. Exactly. I was like, because you're probably not leaving. Yeah. Um, and so we've kind of tried different variations of that. Mm-hmm. And um, even from the classroom where like I'll sit in the front of the classroom, I'll just bring like my work laptop and just like, all right, phone's on the front counter. You're doing homework. And it's actually worked out pretty well too. Um, We've seen, and it kind of, I've varied it with the team. I've noticed is that some teams are, I've had are more responsive to a certain version. Yeah. Um, This year we tried obviously letting them go into the library, having a flex schedule to where they can walk in whenever they want, just sign in. Um, And I found that I don't really think that version works super well because I think that that's too much freedom for them. They kind of, they want structure and say like, I have to be at this time, like this place at this time. Yeah. Then, then they've got a scheduled study time. Exactly. And they kind of build it with their work schedules as well. Mm -hmm. Otherwise I think it's too much freedom for them. So what we've done is we've built them a monthly schedule ahead of time that says like, okay, you have training at this time in this place, right? You have study hall in this place at this time. And so that way they can't get around it. Um, And they found that that's far more successful for them. And they feel Mm -hmm. like they have like a, a level of accountability during season. It's easy because every day you say like practices at this time, games are at this time. It's pretty straightforward. Now it's trying to teach them the maturity and the responsibility side of things that like, okay, you have to be in study hall after season's over. Yeah. You have to be in study. Hall. Like school didn't stop. Your, your grades are still <laughs> going. Um, we have like the exit interviews too, where we'll actually pull up their grades on like my big screen and show them like all of their assignments. And we do like uh, different meetings throughout the year Mm. and show them like, okay, soccer is now over. You have now freed up a lot of time in your schedule. What are you going to do with that? And I think that putting also walking through their eligibility, I think is big too, because they just finished their first year of college eligibility. And I don't think they really understand what it means to be a second year athlete. They just kind of think, Oh, I get to play. No, you have to pass 36 credits in the calendar year. You have to have a 2.0 GPA. You must be in good standing with the college. You can't be on an academic warning or academic suspension. You can't Mm -hmm. have a $3,000 hold. That does not how these things work anymore. So teaching them, that their actions do have like a consequence. You get good grades, you're going to be killing it. You're going to be doing so well. You're probably going to receive academic awards and more financial money, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. And I think that kind of helping them understand that, no, you can't skip six weeks, six weeks of class and (laughs) fail four classes and still be eligible and, and maintain your athletic scholarship to begin with. Brian, I think I remember you telling me a time when you were on the baseball team. I was going to go there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure the culture has changed since I was there, but I mean, what my thought goes to as you're describing this is that there was nothing more frustrating as a player than watching, you know, half of your team not make grades. Oh, yeah. And you're saying you've basically made us uncompetitive because, you know, by the time we get to spring, 12 of you guys didn't decide to show up to class and make grades enough. And I mean, there's a discussion to be had about the challenge of college courses and if it's the right fit for you and stuff. But I like the, the, the line that you're having to tow, which is, you know, you've got 19, 20 year old athletes. They don't need to be handheld. They're coming into adulthood, but at the same time, you know, outside of mom or dad, or maybe some good high school coaches, these life skills of just like building a schedule and being responsible and doing things that you need to do, even if they are difficult and challenging, you know, it's just incredibly important as just being a student athlete, as um, being part of a team as, you know, preparing for whatever adulthood is going to bring to you. And so I'm glad to see that, that your culture with the women's soccer team is doing that because, um, looking back, I mean, that was one of my big frustrations with college baseball was just the, um, you know, the fact that 
this is a big change for everybody, but you're here to, to learn, study, make grades. Even if you hate the classes, you're part of a team, man. So you've got a responsibility. And so, and um, I, I, with that, we've all like, one of the biggest things is I've told the girls, especially re- recently over the last couple of years is that I can only want it as bad as you do. Like right. I'm, I'm now graduated, I'm done, but like your journey is just now starting. And I think that that is so incredibly exciting for them and learning these life skills. Like what you mentioned is that if you don't want it and you want to fail your classes and be able to make that phone call back home to mom and dad or grandma or whoever your guardian is like, Hey, I'm coming home. I failed out of my classes. That is a phone call you have to make. I want nothing to do with it, (laughs) you know? And so with these life lessons that we're teaching them, because again, many come from great backgrounds. They have that support, you know, that, that kind of self accountability and, and others don't, they don't have that, that life. And so it's giving them the support no matter where they're at, whether that be just through our team or through the college is that we're showing them that like, hey, you do have people like we're here to help you. Let's do a grade check each week. Come into my office and let's talk like different things like that have really yeah. helped. I've even had girls that like they just want to talk to an adultier adult, if you will. And so, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, cause like, Oh, we're all adults, but they're like, I want to talk to an actual adult. And I'm like, that is still us, but okay. So like, um, you know, every, and I've been abs, I absolutely love this, but every, I'm just, I'm not even playing anymore, but my parents still come to like all of my games. They come and like watch me coach and I'm yeah. like, I'm not even playing, but they still are there like supporting the girls and, and cheering them on. And so like, I've, I've gone over to my parents' house for like dinner and I walk in and several of the girls are sitting in my parents' house. And I'm like, <laughs> Did I miss something here? Like what's going on? And they're like, I just want to talk to your family. Like I needed life lessons and to, to be able to get advice. And oh, I'm like, awesome. and that is even cooler. I'm like, cause like my family is an extension of your family. Like you get mm-hmm. to come talk to them. And hang out with them and just ask questions. So they, I've seen several girls, like some girls even came over for like a Thanksgiving dinner with my grandma one time. And I thought that was super cool, you know, That's and awesome. be able to be invited and some, and they're talking about life. They're talking about like, Hey, I'm struggling in school. I'm talking about this. And my family's giving them advice. Like, Hey, you know, we've seen people go through this and, and they've kind of like have been an extension for the girls well, away sure. from their homes. And I, <laughs> I was, yeah, I was just going to say maybe weather or just being away from home and stuff. Yeah. That's nice to have a safe, comfortable place to absolutely to communicate. And, and I think that that's been something really cool that we've built here as well is that, that home right? That family feel. And I mentioned that earlier is that we'd never walk alone through this. The other part is that building that kind of strong foundation of former players to your current team has been another thing I think we've successfully done. So we do this thing called the letter. Um, and it may seem super simple, but for the girls, it's meant a lot. And so what we do is, um, when the girls are done with their year, they each write a letter and it's, they don't know who they're writing it to, but it's just addressed to the person who wears their Jersey in the future. So like it might be a number 10, a number 18, whatever their Jersey letter is. And especially for our sophomores, I ask them to put a lot of thought and meaning into it. And I want them to tell them, what is it like to play for this program? What is it like to live in Pendleton? All the things that I give them a whole different criteria. Um, They write a letter, they close it up in an envelope, we seal it, and I just put on the front number 10 or whatever the jersey number is. And then it sits in a locked cabinet until the next year when the next girl comes in. Some girls get to read their own letters, some girls don't, but it's always like a look into the past. But what we've done is that when sophomores write their letters and it goes to, the letter now goes to a an incoming freshman, these freshmen have never met these sophomores. They have no interactions with them, nothing like that. And so what we've done is being able to create these this connection with their alumni, the girls who came before them who went through all the very hard times, you know, whether they passed their classes, didn't pass their classes, 
And no one knows what the letter says other than the girl who wrote it and the girl who's currently read it. But I do know that every letter has always said positive things. So girls have told me like it doesn't say anything bad, which is good to know. That's I, don't I, read was, I was gonna ask. No, because... none of, I have, I've always asked. So I did ask. I think like last year, the year before. I'm like, I just need to know because also within the letters is every former letter that's ever been written. So if you were oh, number so they're ten, accumulating? they're getting every letter from the that's from awesome. every okay. past year. And so I asked the girls. I'm like, when I handed out the letters, and so we do it at our first team meeting of the year. I hand out the, or the letters are sitting in their lockers. And then the next day we have their first team meeting. We kind of go over everything. Like, okay, I have to know, do the letters say something bad? Cause I'll never read them. It's not my place. I'm not a player. It's just you and your former teammates. Yeah. And they're like, no, it's really good. They're like, I actually read it. And I started crying because one letter was like, I missed home. I did this. I, she was basically this former player said like, I was going to drop out. Like I, I didn't want to be here. I missed my family, all that. This program gave me some meaning. It gave me something. I now I'm going to graduate with a two-year degree. I'm going on to a four-year. This freshman was going through the same thing. And so it was kind of like almost like a sign that like you should pick this number because you now have a connection with a girl who's going through or went through the exact same thing as mm-hmm. you. And she's like, how can I talk with her? And I'm like, well, I can put you two in a group chat. And so what I did is I actually FaceTimed the alumni with the freshmen and I put them in a group chat and they just FaceTimed with each other. And I think they talked for like two or three hours and created this friendship. Mm-hmm. And then they finally met in person at our alumni game last year. And like, mm-hmm. it was a giant like hug. Tears were cr- like all over the place. <laughs> it was adorable. That's a really cool And story. it was really yeah. cool to create that. Like you've never met these girls, but they have been through the exact same journey as you. Yeah. And some are literally word for like scenario for scenario. Like I've missed home, wanted to drop out. We're barely past in classes and now they're going to graduate the exact same as what you you will do you know mm-hmm. so you're not alone and i think that that is even better because they have this connection with someone they've never met i love that that's awesome i'm did you have a question no i'm curious as to where so was this something that was started before you came or or wh- where have you gotten this idea or you know just all your ideas yeah. where do you kind of draw inspiration do you have certain uh, coaches that you look up to you yeah know? Um, that kind of stuff, mentors. So I think with the letter one, that was that was me. I wanted to create. It was a, a really long struggle. Like I wanted to connect the past with the present. And through an alumni game, you kind of get that, but they don't really know you. You're just yeah. you just know you're playing against girls who used to play for the program. That's really your only connection to them is that you once all played the same program. And so the letter, I was like, this is a good connection. You know, I was like, we'll run with it. I test piloted it. I think like, I think the first year was like three or four years ago, four years ago. Mm-hmm. And it worked out super well. The girls absolutely loved it. And then they've kind of ran with it in the sense that I didn't expect them to keep the letters, let alone put them back in the envelope and let the envelope grow to be the size of like, it's a really thick envelope now, mm-hmm. just filled with papers. I didn't expect it to run with that. The girls did that on their own. And so I've kind of, I gave them that idea, but a lot with like the different traditions and things we have here, I've picked up from just influence from seeing what other coaches has successfully done with their programs over the years, like drawing a lot of inspiration from, uh, and not even just soccer, just sport in general. Mm -hmm. And even what professional athletes do in with their, with their training and stuff like that. Like, obviously not all of us can be like, you know, run the kind of trainings that like what Kobe ran. Kobe was a whole different level as a basketball player, but you kind of emulate or, or like, we'll do these, um, like team meetings where I'll be like, okay, we're going to listen to a, a talk from Kobe. Like he was yeah. doing an interview because his words and how, what he means in his trainings and the inspiration, I think are very like applicable to anything you do in your life. And I think that has really helped is getting inspiration from wherever we go. 
has yeah. really helped us. And I, I definitely try and apply a lot of that to the, to my team. Uh, it's not necessarily the exact trainings of what they're doing. Cause there's no way we could do those, but taking <laughs> what is applicable or maybe running with it and saying like, Oh, that's a great idea, but how can I spin yeah. it into my program? How can I spin mm -hmm. it into something that is still, you know, here. And with obviously with the right fit, what I mentioned earlier with one of my principles is the other part of my coaching philosophy is, is that, um, I'm a big believer in breaking down the game. Like if you're struggling to like strike a ball or take your first touch or whatever it is, let's break it down. Let's look at the body language. Let's look at how we're approaching this and then work backwards. Let's mm -hmm. work that way rather than going from A to Z, let's go A, B, C, D and kind of go that way. And we found that the girls are much more responsive that way. Cause maybe along the line, like they understand what they're doing. Like they might be a great shooter sometimes, let's make you a great shooter all the time and figure out why you're shooting only 50% and let's figure out how to get you to shoot like 80% or 70%. And I think that that's really helped. And bringing in technology too has helped too. Like we'll bring, we have different, um, we have this very high tech camera we, we <laughs> bought and it is paid off a long run. It's so it's called VO. It's a green triangle. It sits on a tripod, like 30 feet above the field. Anytime we're training or playing or anything like that. And it tracks the ball. It sits above the field? Like on a tripod. Oh, okay, yeah, up yeah, on the hill. Elevated, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and it, it tracks the ball for us. And mm. so it actually gathers all of our analytics that we need during a game. And so then when I turn it off, it goes to work and breaks it down and uploads it to where it then will tell all the girls, like, the game on Saturday has been broken down. You can access it here. And they can go in and they can find themselves and it will pull all of their stats for them. It'll tell them anytime they touch the ball, where their heat map is, every shot. And that has been able to really help the girls not only look at themselves in the game and it, they can only focus on, they can choose to focus on the team or they can focus on themselves and it will track every one of them. Uh, but it also has helped us be able to pull their highlights to be able to talk to four-year coaches as well. And oh, so awesome. integrating technology, GoPros and being able to do like a slow-mo of mm -hmm. a GoPro. So like when we're shooting or doing like a shooting session, um, I'll put the GoPro and I'll put it out, you know, 20 yards away or whatever. So we can get the whole picture. And then we're looking at like, put it in slow-mo. We'll, we'll do the session and then we'll go inside and I'll hook it up to the TV and be like, okay, look at this. This was shots one through 10. You were doing this shot. Look at where the hip is, the knee, are, where's your plant foot, all of this stuff. Okay, that's good. Now we'll go back out. So we'll do another 30 minutes outside and we try and apply this. And then maybe I will bring out the iPad because then I have an app that hooks my, my DSLR camera to my iPad and I can look at and show them in real time mm -hmm. what it's seeing. I was like, and then we'll point out the different points on their body. We're like, okay, your plant foot is now too far away, both here and here. That's why you're pulling the ball up. I was like, bring it here and here and it'll work and they'll apply it. And now they understand. I'm like, good. Now do that 10 more times. Then do that 20 more times. Consistency has helped them as well. Because you kind of think you're doing it, I think, maybe as like mm -hmm. an overview. Like, oh, I am doing that. You're not. The camera tells you otherwise. Yeah. So I think bringing in technology has really helped us as well, being able to just, I think, be a little bit more consistent in, in terms of play. Yeah. So being a younger coach, maybe that plays into your favor to be a little more tech savvy and yeah. willing to adopt the analytics and technology side of it. And the, I think that it's an interesting look at all sports in the way that like analytics and technology versus like feeling and intuition and emotion has kind of you know, that, that dance that happens between the two and, and yeah, how you leverage that for your team. So I really like that. That's interesting. It's, it's been awesome yeah. integrating that. And as a younger coach, I think that def definitely plays a hand in it. Cause I've met yeah. even some of my older coaching colleagues where they're mm -hmm. like, no, we, we just go, we do the, we do the thing, we play the sport, you know, <laughs> and, and they'll kind of look at some data, but it's a very like low level, just 
like piece of paper data. Yeah. And I'm like, it's so much deeper than that now. Like the game and just sports <laughs> has so much more to it. Oh yeah. And information is king. So, Oh, did, absolutely. Did you have to lobby to get that tool or was it there already? Or? Um, you're talking about the camera. Yeah. Um, so that was one thing that a lot of our funding that we do is we're self, we self fundraise a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Like we're given as, as an athlete as the program. And you might remember this, right? A very small budget to work mm-hmm. within of what the school gives us. And so we do a lot of our funding. And so anything with that type of thing, I talk with the team about, I'm like, okay, here's a thing. And I propose it to them because a lot of our fundraising is from them. They've done a lot of it. And so when I remember when I found the camera and I was looking, I didn't know much about it, but I did some research and I'm like, so then I brought it to the captains on our team and I kind of had them give me their input. I'm like, do you see this being valuable? Do you see this being a thing? And what we saw, I was like, yeah, it could be cool. You know? So we did it on like a trial test run this year because it's the first year we've gotten it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the girls absolutely loved it. Did they? Does the company allow you to do a trial, test it out? We can cancel at any time. Oh, okay. Yes. But we, we, so we, we have like a contract that goes year to year with them on it. And so okay. we were like, maybe we'll just do a year, right? So we tested it in practice and training and it gave us exactly what we needed. I was like, okay, let's try it during a game, mm-hmm. right? So we put the camera up, we set it and it does, it runs itself. We don't even have to worry about it at all. Um, and so then we did our first film review session as a team. We brought it into the classroom um, pulled up the game and all that. I was like, okay, well, I want to see where we were, you know, on the field during the first half. I want to see this shot during this. It pulls up and it, I click on the analytics button. It pulls up a giant chart of colored points and it is mapped every one of every shot, every goal kick, every foul, every, everything you could possibly pull. I click it. It will then pull the video clip and pop up on the other screen. Oh, wow. And so it tells me exactly. And will then will show me. And then if I want, I can download that clip and say, oh, player, you know, my number 10 had a great clip here. I want to save it and put it in her highlight reel. It'll apply it to that player's highlight reel and she can download it whenever she wants. Wow, that's cool. And it has been a huge tool for mm-hmm. us this season. Interesting. So when I worked at Bushnell University, the SID was probably the busiest guy. Oh, I knew. yeah. Nick Askew. He was so busy and so good at what he did. How, where do you find time to coach and be the sports information? <laughs> and be the sports SAD. information yeah, director. Yeah, sports right? information director is my other job up there, um, slash like assistant AD um, and the head women's soccer coach. I don't know. Wow, you got like three positions I got like going three. On. I got a lot of hats I wear. Um, to <laughs> You're be not honest, even wearing a hat right now. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> I don't, I don't even know. Um, I've kind of, it's kind of worked out pretty well that I know my fall is going to be the busiest cause it's soccer season and first sports are up. And so that is where I'm like, Hey, you're not, not sleeping a lot. Like I've just kind of accepted that. Like that's worked out pretty well for me. I'm like family. I'll see you when I see you. Like, you know what? I'll see you at the soccer field, that type of thing. Otherwise, like if I'm not at my field, I'm in the, you know, the gym or with the men's soccer team or um, I'm creating graphics. So like everything you see on all the BMCC athletic social medias are all me. I've created them. They're the yeah, website. That's what, that's what I'm saying. There's so much that yeah. goes into it. That was one thing I wanted to yeah. ask you about was like the social media marketing oh, yeah. and that kind of stuff. I, I love that. That's like yeah. a stress relief, like escape from like the stress of everyday life is where I can just turn on music, close my office door and just plug away at graphics and video. Mm-hmm. Like I'm still learning the video part of it. I'm not mm-hmm. great at that. I will admit that. That's not my my forte is editing videos. As much yeah. as I love it, I think it's great. And you know, like key something to music. I think that's super cool. Mm-hmm. Not my forte whatsoever. I love it though. You're learning. I'm learning. Graphics, I love creating graphics. I, mm-hmm. I love um, being able to find inspiration. Like I, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll admit it, Pinterest. I love scrolling through like Pinterest and stuff like that. And that's finding... so funny. I just downloaded Pinterest the other day. Yeah. Because we're probably, <laughs> we're probably going to be moving in the next six months and yeah. I want to get ideas. Yeah. 
Oh, I absolutely. Shim's got a home decor. I haven't been on Pinterest in like five years, and I was like, neither had like I had. You hear about it, right? And I see some things, but like I got like Pinterest and um, you know like. Uh, different media channels and stuff like that. But I'm like, I want to see what's going on. I find so many cool things on there, like different graphics where I'm like, okay, well, I'm obviously never going to copy another pro- program or company, but I take inspiration from them. And definitely. so I, I love some, I love that stuff. And I creating all the graphics, the website has been, it was definitely when we were redesigning that. So we have a brand new athletics website. We redesigned it every probably like three years, three to four years. Um, this one was definitely an inspiration from different things I've seen. I wanted to create a more mm-hmm. modern, like clean feel. And so every, every couple seasons I'll transition the graphic style too. So while you might, you guys might see like the basketball ones have like a white background and in, in the background is like a faded out, like picture of the team or an action graphic or something like that. It's got mm-hmm. all the information, but while you're seeing one graphic, I'm working on a brand new one in the background. That's even like, I want to clean it up or change it out. So for like a year, year and a half, I think during COVID, we had like a smoke theme, right? Everything had like a blue smoke, white smoke background type of feel. And I loved that. I think that was clean. The athletes loved it too. But now I want to transition into something new. I want to, I want to transition to like um, whites and blacks. I think those mm-hmm. are super cool. So working within the darker and, and lighter mediums, I think are super cool. And so I find inspiration through like Pinterest, Instagram, yeah. all those. And I love that. <laughs> I love it so much. That's awesome. Yeah. That's cool. Um, I wanted to ask, I don't know if you have any experience coaching men and if you could make a comparison of coaching men versus women. And I'd hate to put words into Tim Carey's mouth. I won't confirm <laughs> that these were his words for sure. But um, if you don't know, Tim Carey's, you know, a longtime successful softball coach Absolutely. in the Pendleton area, state championships and and just a lot of, you know, productive athletes that he's brought through the system. Again, I'm not 100% sure this was Tim wor- Tim's words, but I want to say I recall him or a women's coach in Pendleton saying that, you know, they felt like coaching women was actually a lot easier than men. There was just less, you know, egos and big personalities and more of a willingness to be part of a team unit. But I want to hear what your perspective is. Yeah. So when I first got into coaching, um, like true, true coaching, my first head coaching gig was coaching uh, boys GV over in LeGrand, um, which I'm not necessarily going to compare completely to men because they're obviously younger. <clears throat> you didn't coach Luke Bloodgood. Bloodgood, did you? I did coach Luke Bloodgood. No way. Yeah, absolutely. Dude, yes, that's I my did. guy. I love Luke. I love Luke Bloodgood. That kid had such like an eagerness to like win and go and learn. Like yeah, uh, his energy I, wasn't I lived with him actually. Did you really? When I went to Eastern, yeah. Really? I lived with him and his family for a little bit. I love the Bloodgoods. Yeah, they're great people. They're great people. <laughs> Shut up, Bloodgoods. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like the men's game was so, I think it was the, uh, I think this is applicable to a lot of sports. It's fast, right? Like it, it's very... Um, it's quick. And so the adjustments have to be much quicker for the, for the men's game. Um, and so then when I left and even as the assistant coach on the men's and women's programs at Eastern, before I came to blue mountain, um, very different styles. So I had to almost like shift how I coach them. The men's game was very, very fast and it was, um, very technical, um, that type of type of game, um, girls game, totally different. I don't even know if it's easier. I actually think it's harder in a way because you have to be even more technical, more strategic, um, very well thought out with everything you do and say, I would agree. You're not battling egos on the women's game as much as you are the men's. Um, mm-hmm. cause there was a time period where our men's coach left here at blue mountain and I partially took over the men's program while we were in a transition with the assistant coach. Uh, we ended up winning the East region that year, which was super great. Um, but going from the men's game to women's game, my own program to the other program, which I didn't know, hundred percent, you're, you're battling almost that egos, right? You, like it's, a 
every time you walk in a room with one of the guys, they're like almost sizing you up, you know, like <laughs> I'm better than you, which I'm like, okay, hold that, check that at the door for a second. Not saying the girls aren't without fault because <laughs> sometimes you get some of those too over sure. the years. But I think that with the girls game, I've found that I have to be my, my talks with the team or like how we break things down especially looking at film have to be far more technical um, and, and strategic in how we approach things. Cause I think when you're running in with like men's players, you're going to find that most are pretty quick. Most are technical, especially when you get to the college game mm-hmm. um, with the girls game speed kills. Um, if you have a fast girl on your team, she is going to produce a lot of goals, a lot of things, a lot of problems lot for the of, other team. Exactly. <laughs> um, which we, for years, didn't have someone who really stood out like that. Um, and so, and obviously someone who is extremely fast, probably wins a lot. They did track and field, probably won a lot of state titles. They're probably very well sought after. Um, for a lot of programs. I have a question about that. Yeah. Would you ever recruit someone who doesn't play soccer, but they are a speedster? I did that. Really? Yeah. Okay. I've done that before. I mean, you could teach someone You soccer. teach the game. Yeah. Yeah. So, Especially if they're a natural athlete. Absolutely. If I'm looking for like athletic ability, right? And yeah, character yeah, yeah. Is, speaks volumes. Like if yeah. you're willing to learn, I think that's even better. And so mm-hmm. I did that one year and I like brought her over. She did... Um, she was just a cross country runner. She, she hadn't touched a ball, I think probably since like five, six years old. (laughs) So of course, who doesn't play soccer when they're really young, when you're testing out all the sports. And so we brought her in and I was like, okay, I need you to come here during the summer, like to Pendleton, come early. I was like, I'm going to spend the summer teaching you, which is well within our guidelines. That's totally fine. She can teach, she can learn. Um, and so we taught her, she actually ended up doing very well, um, and learning the game. And she was just fast, just Mm -hmm. quick all over the place. But this season we went and we got a girl who was very fast and had been playing soccer for a number of years. I think she had even placed in like state track or something like that. She ended up becoming our first all-star for the program ever. Um, And she broke the goal scoring record. She scored in the all-star game, which you're, I mean, the (laughs) all-stars is you're playing the best of the best from everywhere else. They're all coming to Seattle to play one location. And she ended up like bossing out in that game, just killing it. And it was so cool to like, see like now the program is finally getting somewhere because for years, the the first two years of the program, it wasn't me. It was another coach previous. They had only like nine or ten players, which, of course, you play soccer with 11. And so trying to refix the program when I got here has taken a lot of time. I think we're finally at that point where we're now in a competitive um, environment. And mm-hmm. the girls, like, everything is much better now in the program than when I first took over. Yeah, We finally have that the old image kind of erased from us and we're now much newer competitive fresh program and well, so and you also had covid right in the middle of that right covid slowed so all that down what was yeah what was yeah, that like that was really interesting so our guidelines we had to go we had to we can't i couldn't coach the team as a whole until so we did a fall training because our seasons got pushed back to spring that year so we did a fall training and i never got to coach the whole team as a whole until april so we started in september we had to do it in pod. So like pod one, pod two, pod three, because you could only have so many in a pod, I remember. Mm-hmm. And so like what one practice of a two-hour practice turned into like six hours over the course of a day because I'd have one group for two hours, oh, wow. one group for two hours, one group for two hours, which cr- just became a nightmare. It became exhausting. Yeah. And so then the guidelines, I think, changed. They didn't become less, but they kind of changed to where I could have like – Luckily, the field's huge, so I could have, like, pod one in this corner, and mm-hmm. I broke it up, you know, via cones. So I was like, pod one, you're not crossing this corner. 
Like, don't cross this area. Pod two was over here. Pod three was over here. Pod four, et cetera. And you just go around. And I would just stay. I had, and I couldn't, if I went to one pod, then I couldn't go around the other three pods because of COVID rules. Like, they'd oh. feel like I'd contaminate another pod in case, like, one pod got sick. So I had the four corners of the field broken off, and then I had a square built in the middle of the field to where I could only go as far as the square. <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah. It was Were crazy. you guys testing every day? Every every week, yeah. Every week, okay. Every week. Uh, twice a week actually. Beginning and the end of each week for oh. soccer. <clears throat> um what a wild time. And we had to train with masks on. Ugh. Train and play with masks yeah. on, which I'm like, okay, what we're running, like this is a bad idea. And it was yeah. a bad idea. Yeah. Makes me think of like the oxygen deprivation training masks. Hon- and honestly, stuff like very that. close. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Probably have the same effect. <laughs> Seriously, it's actually making you better. <laughs> <laughs> Could say we were the fittest team that year for sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. So, uh, so what are some? Do you have any kind of just goals or long term plans with the program now that you you kind of five years in settled in a little bit? And yeah. So got through some adversity. I came in with like a set of goals, if you will, of what I wanted to accomplish with the program, what we wanted to. We've checked off a lot of them. We've gotten girls to be academic all regions, uh, make the program competitive, you know, build a sustainable like program to where it could, you know, it's in a good spot. We have, you know, 20 something girls each year. I want to be involved with the community. Check. We've done a lot of good things in all of those different areas. The last one I want to check off with this team, not necessarily saying like I'm closing the door by any means. That's not, I love this program. I love what we've, what we've done here. The last one I want to do is I want to get them to the playoffs. Mm -hmm. I I want them to experience that rush and thrill of like win or go home type Mm -hmm. of deal. Um, And so we've been close. We fin the the best we ever finished was fourth and that's one spot out of the playoffs. Yeah. Can you break down the NWAC division and sort of what that process looks like? Yeah, absolutely. So, it's so crazy exciting. So we've got four divisions, north, south, east, and west. I think there are a total of 32 women's teams in, in the NWAC. Wow. Yeah. And so you guys placed fourth. We placed uh, – so we have our division. Oh, fourth oh, okay. in our division. That's yeah. the total. Okay. That's the total. Yeah, got in it. total. So our east division has eight, and they, they're talking about adding a ninth. The north division has, I think, like six. Um, the west has – nine or something like that it's crazy and the south i think has like six or seven it's it's yeah. crazy but in total equals in this total equals 30, like 30 something this is oregon idaho something. washington right oregon idaho Washington. <laughs> there's only one in idaho but yeah it's mainly oregon washington which creates the northwest athletic conference and so you have like three main entities of of community college athletics so you have the nwac which controls like the pacific northwest which is great otherwise we'd have to travel to like the NJCAA, which covers the entire rest of the united states you have the Cal Conference, which are just the, the California Community College schools. And then, then you have the National JUCO, which covers basically Utah, all that direction to the East Coast. And they're broken up by regions, which Blue Mountain used to be in the NJAC or, yeah, the NJCAA until it became a part of the NWAC a number of years ago, mm. which has financially helped us out a ton. And it's been a much mm-hmm. better decision. Plus, you, we still have a lot of teams we can play up here. Not just two years. We have four years. We A whole lot of four years we can play. So our division is consisted of Blue Mountain, Treasure Valley, Yakima Valley College, Wenatchee Valley College, Columbia Basin, Walla Walla, Spokane, and North Idaho. In mm. soccer, there's mm-hmm. also Big Bend as well. Yeah, yeah. Which Big Bend doesn't have soccer, but they've been talking about it for a number of years. So I think if we they, traded the Idaho for the Bend in our division or something. Yeah, North yeah, Idaho doesn't have that, but yeah. you guys have Big Bend. So mm-hmm. if we add Big Bend, that puts us at nine for soccer. Um 
So we placed fourth out of ours. And so this year, the entire conference was won by both East teams on the, on the men's and the women's. And a majority of the champions come out in terms of like the history of soccer come out of our division. So trying mm-hmm. to establish a men's and a women's program against programs that have won a lot of titles yeah. is very difficult to do. So trying to get the girls in this program to be competitive enough and push them and realize like you guys can beat these teams that are former champions, I think would be a big deal. And getting us to playoffs, whether it's the third seed and we're taking on a number one seed, you know, hey, we got there. We did something that, you know, 16 other teams couldn't do. So each year has been better than the last. Um, and this was our, our winningest season yet. And we still, I think, could have gone 500, nine and nine. So we ended up finishing still with six wins, which was pretty good. But I think that we can definitely go a little farther and push a little bit more. And I think mm-hmm. that we go to 100%, 100% make playoffs here in the next year, year or two. We have a great That's group awesome. of girls for That's sure. Awesome. And what we're recruiting is, I think, even better. We have some very special talent coming in, which I think is going to make um, a lot of teams very surprised. I wanted to ask this earlier, um, just recruiting – so recruiting nowadays with social media, how it is compared to like when mm-hmm. we, someone from our class might've been recruited, mm-hmm. how is it different? Is it like, I know like mm-hmm. D1, like I follow a lot of University of Oregon stuff, yeah. like the coaches are following all the players' accounts oh, yeah. and then like watching them and they're, oh, yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff. Like, what does that look like? Social media has changed the game in terms of recruiting. I think has absolutely blown like the door off. There's of probably it. rules around it too. So right? many, yeah. So many things of when less definitely as a JUCO school, a junior college, there's uh-huh. much less. But as a D ones, there's like no contact periods and stuff yeah. like that. Even NAIs, like NAIs, can't talk to. Um, so like, say there was a girl at a JUCO uh, that they really wanted, but she's a freshman. They can't talk to her until she's technically finished her freshman year. So like, they couldn't even talk to her until the summer going into sophomore season. Okay. So in terms of social media, like I've talked to, I talk to recruits all the time on like Twitter, Instagram. Mm-hmm. I've even met recruits on TikTok, which is crazy enough, but like they <laughs> find our program and stuff like that, or they like recognize my name. Like you're the coach. Yeah, I am. So, you know, let's talk and. It is crazy the amount, like the exposure and things like that. And so like when we're creating, especially like with our program, we create all these different, you know, reels and stuff like that. We mentioned, we were talking about that earlier, like Mm -hmm. YouTube and stuff like that. Um, We'll share them out and just have as much um, exposure of the program as possible because you never know who you're going to run into, um, you know, especially the area that they're in. If they're not from, if they're from a rural type area and they don't have the constant exposure to college coaches, they're trying to get whatever, you know, impact and recognition they possibly can. And so Mm -hmm. we are... Um, I've met a lot of recruits talking to a lot, even right now, like on Twitter, where they'll just follow either my own page or they'll follow the team page and they'll message us. Um, Instagram, the same way. Mm-hmm. We've met a lot of recruits through there, many of which I have on my team right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's definitely helped, I think, a lot of these athletes, even whether they're rural or not, get a lot of exposure to college programs. Yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about the rural impact for for, for you know, you and your program being kind of out there rurally, but also players too that might be coming from, I guess, if you're in like, downtown Salem and you got six, seven high schools Absolutely. and a couple few colleges all right there in the same pod of areas versus, yeah, the social media and the internet age maybe helps level the playing field a little bit. For I think it has definitely closed the gap in my yeah, opinion, in terms great. of like, say you've got someone who's from Pocatello, right? Like granted Pokey's a decent size area, but there's no schools really around you. I mean, you have one obviously right in Pokey, um, but like someone from Salem, they have, or even Seattle, you have 
so many schools around mm-hmm. you, right? And mm-hmm. so many more opportunities. But if you're from Pokey, you might have to travel a very, very long ways to go to get seen by anyone. So I think social yeah. media has 100% like like leveled it a bit. There's probably still advantages and disadvantages for sure. Yeah. Um, whether you are constantly around those coaches because I know I do a lot of my um, – traveling and whatnot recently through that Utah, Southern Idaho, yeah. Eastern Idaho region, because mm-hmm. not, an, I don't think enough coaches take advantage of that, which is totally fine by me. Like it's a drive <laughs> to get down there. Yeah. Um, and especially going and putting, I think forth the effort to show the recruits that like, I'm willing to go wherever you're at. Like I will put forth the time and the energy and showing them I'm invested in them has paid off so much. And yeah. I a hundred percent, I still do that with my girls. Like they'll, because right now, or during the summer, they get to go back with their club teams if they so choose, if they still are able to within the age gap or age grouping. And like, I'll be at a tournament or whatever. They're like, coach, I'm playing. Cool. I'll see you there. And I'll go watch them. Still, they're not even playing for me. I just get to go watch them, enjoy the game. I've done that too. And I think that that's even better. Um, and so, yeah, I think social media has really helped a lot. Nice. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Man. <laughs> so um, if people want to look at the website, What's the URL for it? Yeah, so it's bmcctimberwolves.com. That's our athletics website. Okay. And then you can find – from there you can find the hyperlinks to each of the team's social medias or just to athletics in general. And athletics shares and tags all of the teams themselves. So each one of the teams kind of manage their own, but athletics oversees all of theirs to make sure it stays within branding and stuff like that too. Okay. So, nice. so yeah, bmcctimberwolves.com. Right on. And if people want to – what time of year is the uh, – the indoor is indoor and outdoor soccer. Yeah, the, so the community. Can yeah, do absolutely. As well, yeah, right? so we have our adult co-ed indoor league, and that is for all levels of experience, all levels of fitness. So definitely check that out. The indoor league registration is open right now. You can find it on our social media pages for BMCC Women's Soccer or on Athletic BMCC Athletics. Okay. Um, the indoor one goes from January to March. Then we take a little break, and the outdoor one goes from late May to the last week in July, right before the college season starts. And so our college players roll right from one season right into their college seasons. And then Mm -hmm. we get a little bit of a break before indoor season. So indoor registration is open right now. Good to know. Nice. Well, Jordan Hilmick, our head uh, Blue Mountain women's soccer coach, I'm glad to see you're doing good things in the community and building up a program, chasing wins, but doing it by way of a strong foundation of making grades happen, having a good team culture, and, and just kind of helping harness um, that contribution to society with your, your players and everything. So thanks for taking the time for being here, man, and just keep doing what you're doing. We'd, we love to see it. So Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, thanks, man.